0: from her married Freedom. life Keelan yeah. got involved in and partially funded the first expedition to the seventh continent I love it plants to name the first carnivorous plant she discovers after her ex-husband I wish my dad was Scottish Welcome to Witch Game First where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out First up, the evil eyes fly as we try to dodge the curse hot potato style in Hex Hex XL. Next, we explore together, seeking new discoveries as we scour the forbidding lands of the seventh continent. And lastly, we scramble to bring our movies in on time and on budget, even if we have to hire the producer's nephew to direct it in Showbiz Shuffle. I'm your host. Celeste Angelus. now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid explorers.
1: Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I have the first player marker. I'm
2: Ed Povolaitin, and I got the indigo tile for going second. Hey, I'm Mike Grenier, and
3: I get two extra coins for going third.
0: Hey everybody, it's time to meet us at PAX Unplugged.
1: PAX Unplugged will be taking place in sunny Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the weekend of December 6th through December 8th at the Philadelphia Convention Center.
3: I'll be seeking out game creators to follow through their journey for my designer update segment on our side quests.
2: Join us at our two panel, The Thrill of Destruction with Legacy Games at noon and Saturday in the Leviathan Theater. And, look out behind you! The best backstab games of all time! 11.30 in the Mothman Theater on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Mothman Theater. And if you get a
0: chance, leave us a rating, a review, a Facebook post, tweet, Insta, retweet, article shout out, mention us down at the gaming store, whatever. Any way to spread the word helps. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Thank you. And reach out to us. We want to see you there. See you at
0: PAX Unplugged. Our first game up this week is Hex Hex XL, designed by Justin Brunetto and Kurt Covert. Published by Smirk and Dagger Games 2010. Number of players, 3 to 6, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, when we were delighted to find this game in our trick-or-treat bag, what were our first thoughts? Mike? Cards love me,
3: and I hope their mojo is strong enough to
2: keep me safe. Ed? Ed? This is a smirk and dagger game, so don't mind me if I keep my back to the wall and my eyes on the door. (laughs) Evan? There must be
1: hexagon-shaped components. Please tell me it's hexagonal.
0: (laughs) You keep spellcasting a curse around the table until someone runs out of spells. Hang on, let me grab my black press-on nails. And before we let the dark humor commence, Evan, tell us how it's played.
1: In Hex Hex... Players hurl hex after hex around the table, constantly redirecting, deflecting, and altering the hex's power with cards until a player can't redirect and becomes hexed. Those who are hexed lose points while the last player to pass the hex gains points. At the end of the game, the player with the most points creates a new rule for the next game. Hex-hex-x-l, because you don't have enough X's there without the XL. <laughs> Hex Hex XL <laughs> combines the best of classic Hex Hex-hex Hex and Hex Hex Next, along with two new variants, Hex Hex Next and Hex and Sticks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we didn't actually play Hex and Sticks, but there's a bunch of sticks that sit on
1: the table.
2: <laughs> yep, two black sticks and three white sticks that you have to rate the grab at the right moment. Oh, Mike, you love Race to Grab I'm so glad we didn't do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Hex Hex XL comes with uh, different game options, right?
3: I played this game a long time ago, actually, with Kurt when he was kind of just introducing it to people, and it screamed drinking game to me, like everything about it.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't want to drink while playing, though. I mean, you're definitely going to lose the slower you get. Well, not the one with the
3: sticks, too. You don't want to play that one while drunk. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This game's pretty simple. You get a hand of cards, and you've got to use what's in your card to keep a little hexagonal piece that gets passed around the table. you got to keep it from staying in front of you by using your spells. Eventually, somebody's not going to have a spell to use.
3: Yeah, spells are simple as pass the hex to your left. But then there's more complicated ones that say split the hex into two hexes and then pass it to two different opponents.
2: Yes. Or boot the Hexer. now it does more damage when it hits you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Or put a curse of rot on it so that every time somebody touches it, they automatically lose some voice.
3: Yep, voice is like your victory points in the game.
2: So, what
0: did you guys think of the balance of the cards? They vary so widely.
1: There's balance?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: it, it depends on how well you shuffled, I guess, right? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Internally, the cards aren't balanced with each other perfectly but they're all really simple and everybody's going to get a crack at all the different types of cards
2: throughout the games. It's balanced in that everybody had the same opportunity to get it out of the deck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you think that the power imbalance and some of them are
2: crazy. Some will just stop the game dead. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, some of them are like okay, game over, I win. Next game, please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's designed to be a very fast paced game where you're going to play a few quick rounds and then you start a new game, and the concept of the game is that whoever wins gets to make up a new rule of their own choice for the next game they play. What's an example of a rule that like, people
3: have to shout, you know, ouch every time they get a hex in their hand? Oh, to, or like,
1: you know, put your finger to your nose. Uh,
2: yeah, that, that, that
1: is an example of a rule you can make. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is kind of clever because it, it entices the player to play that next game again, you know, instead of moving on to another game okay, no, let's play the
2: game again, but this time we're incorporating a new rule. It, it reminds me of the Goose and Turn Market, where you're just like, here, make up your own rules to make your own fun.
0: I love a whimsy element to a game. I do, especially this type of game. It's the perfect level game, meaning it's fast-paced. It took about one and a half minutes to learn the rules, even for yeah. my nine-year-old daughter who played with us. Um, and so I loved adding a bit of whimsy. Why not?
3: Yeah. I feel like this game plays a lot better with more players. We had three, so there's no passing across. You just pick one of the other players to pass to. And I don't know. It just seems not as ideal at three.
0: Interesting.
1: I agree with that very much so. I thought this should have been marked a four to eight player game rather than three to six. Mm -hmm. Don't know why he really stops it at six. I mean, I think eight could play this game just fine. I think so, too.
0: I'm going to shout out a defense for three. We played with three, and one of them was my daughter, and I thought it moved well.
1: Problem with three is that there are some cards in the deck that will effectively n- knock out one player or protect yourself from getting the hex at all because some cards are that powerful. It becomes a two-player contest sort of for that round. So I think that's a little bit limiting.
2: Yeah, more people will add more fun.
1: Absolutely, more. But more is better.
2: It will also add to the length of the game a little bit because of the debate game. Everybody gets to cast the first hex once. And then one final round with whoever had the lowest point played the final round.
3: Right. It directly affects how many rounds there are in the game. Even with that, it's still very quick.
2: Yeah. I mean, each round goes over in like, what, five
3: minutes? And basically everything you need to know to play the game other than don't get stuck with the hex is written on the cards. So this yes. card says
2: pass the hex to the left. Boom. I think the only other rule you really need to know before you start is the hex hex rule. Because whoever plays the hex hex card says hex hex. And then everybody has to drop their cards as if they're cursed. And the last one to drop the cards and raise their hand over their head is cursed in Texas. Ooh, a physical component to the game. Yep, a speed component.
0: Ed lost, as usual, in a speed challenge. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> true i i won this particular round of uh, hex hex but it doesn't even matter that much to me the winner i think the game's fun throughout even without like the competitiveness of it
2: yeah the the fun in this game is not necessarily winning but how well you screwed your neighbor you <laughs> can all take enjoyment in that
3: smirk and dagger really does that well that's their speciality
2: So Kurt told me the story like he first sold this game to Hot Topic or something like that at a mall. Clever.
3: Not typically a game store, but the look of it is actually just right for a store like that.
0: The look of this game is great for a card game. This XL version comes with the cool sticks, which are actually substantial dowels that are cut into hexes and polished. Mm -hmm. So they're really nice to grab and touch and feel. And it comes with stones that you put on your voice counter.
2: You must listen to the power of my voice. <laughs> oh. <Whoa. laughs>
0: Which acts as your hit points. And the cover of the cards is great; It is very goth looking. And the backs of the cards are black with gold symbols to represent yeah. the spell symbols.
3: After a while, you start to recognize the glyphs if you play a lot. Evan had a card early on that was pretty funny because I haven't played in a long time, so I didn't remember what all the cards in the deck were. And even in the book... And he was playing for the first time?
1: Yep, first time I played. Uh,
3: yeah, and he was playing for the first time. So basically there's some cards in the deck that you have to play as soon as you draw them, and they're usually good for you. But this one was called Deception, and he picked a card each turn that he said what the card's name was, but he played it face down. And if we called him out, we'd get zinged for
1: that. Yeah. It was my chance to bluff everyone into thinking I had better cards than what I was actually playing. Yeah,
3: yep. and he named a card that wasn't listed in the book. Draw Fire. Draw Fire? The hell is that? I don't even see one called Draw Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going
2: to call him out because he, he wouldn't say it. And that's, the, uh... <laughs> that's awesome.
3: <laughs> oh, um, that's So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like ready to just call them out because, hey, wait a minute, I don't even see that card. But they purposely leave some of the cards out in the book so that you'll kind of, the first couple times you play, you'll see new stuff they hadn't seen before. I like that.
2: Yeah, because there are some basic cards, but there are a bunch of little specialty cards in the mix. So you don't care. It didn't just make that up or <laughs> did they actually have that? That's what I thought, but I did not
3: have the guts to call them
2: out.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, explorers, it's time to dig
2: up or bury Hex Hex. Ed? It's a fast, fun game of hacking your friend before they hack you. Dig it up. Mike? This is a game that
3: brings great pleasure to people that love to dish the pain. Dig it up.
2: Evan?
1: I had to pause occasionally to grasp the concept of some of the card instructions, but it's still a good party game. The more players, the better. Dig it up.
0: Yeah, gleeful fun, despite the wide swing of the power between cards, or maybe because of it, (laughs) I'm digging it up. Evan, where can you find this game?
1: You can find Hex Hex XL at local game stores and online for about $38.
0: If you have thoughts about any Hex Hex, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our next game up this week is Seventh Continent. Designed by Ludwig Rowdy and Bruno Sauter. Published by Sirius Pulp in 2017. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up. Playtime, infinity. <laughs>
1: Thousands of minutes. Once you start, you cannot stop.
0: Playtime varies. Okay, when we, meta-style, spotted this game while exploring the seventh continent, what were our first <laughs> thoughts? Evan?
1: Hey, before we start, who wants to play Thousand Card Pickup?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Kill me now!
1: <laughs> Mike? From the picture I
3: saw, it looked like a mega-complex game of Trivial Pursuit.
2: Ed? So many cards! And oh, look how cute the minis are! (laughs) Itty-bitty minis!
0: Will this be another game that attempts to be D&D without a GM? Hmm. But, before we roll to hit this review, Evan, tell us how it's played.
1: In The Seventh Continent, a cooperative choose-your-own-adventure exploration board game, You play against the game as you attempt to lift the curses that have been placed on you. Choose a character and begin the adventure inspired by the fighting fantasy book series. You will explore this wild new land through a variety of terrain and event cards. You have to use every ounce of wit and cunning to survive, crafting tools, weapons, and shelter to ensure your survival. With 962 cards in just the core box, It will take you many, many hours of exploring and searching the seventh continent until you eventually discover how to remove the curse or curses, or die trying. Ominous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Fortune favors the bold. Do not be weak in this game.
0: So many cards.
1: This game is huge, like Gloomhaven. It did remind me of Gloomhaven
2: and how it felt and how it played overall. The box is thankfully a little bit smaller, but man, it Packed with cards, almost a thousand cards in just mm-hmm. the core box. And I got the expansion that has over 500 <laughs> more cards. Yeah, Ed, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, because you needed more cards. <laughs> One of my first questions about this game to Ed was Is this a legacy game? It sure looks like a legacy game.
2: It's not what I would call a legacy game game and let me tell you why please in this game the components are not destroyed yay (laughs) all the components you can put back in the box and play exactly the same way you're not marking up components you're not
0: destroying stuff which are hallmarks of the legacy style game you need to destroy pieces and change the game
2: it is a campaign game though so you you take a character and then you can get skills that you develop as you find along the way so you can no, it's like an RPG in a little way where you're gaining skill points. And as you explore the game, you learn new things that allow you to do things you couldn't do before just because now you know something that you didn't know at the start. But it felt cool to learn something that you stick in your journal.
0: Right, so this game comes with some really interesting components. Ed, does the physical journal that you had, which came with this game, does it come with the core
2: set? No, the core set just has a card called the stashle journal, and you put all the cards that are journal cards underneath this that you can reference later.
0: But the game we played came with a leather-bound journal that you slide the cards into. Ooh,
3: fancy. Which
0: was a very nice touch. It really oh, yeah. helped me keep track of what stays forever and what belongs to the entire group as opposed to what's mine and what I use now. Yes, yes. I, I So I loved that. And of course, it also made me feel like I was collecting a really cool treasure worthy of going into a leather bound book.
2: You're putting these cards in a, a nice uh, bound book and you're then flipping through it and reading what you've learned yeah, it's a nice touch.
0: And we did really reference it over and over. We did pull out the book and check for different things that we'd put in it to see if we could make use of them now.
1: So it didn't just look nice. It was
0: practical. It had a real function. Very practical. You, There are real clues in there. I think it's important to note that this game predates Gloomhaven. I suppose it's one of the earlier games with a bazillion and three cards to go through. <laughs> I thought they made great use of the cards in this game. Because of the deck of action Mm -hmm. cards. I think that made the game for me. So you're not just pulling cards out of a file box, which you do when you get to certain parts of the game where it says pull a card, but you're actually using an action deck as a group and that action deck also puts you at risk for uncovering the curse.
2: It is the clock of the game. It represents the energy that you collectively have And once you've gone through the whole action deck and it's in the discard pile, and if you draw a curse from the discard pile, dun-dun-dun, you're dead. (laughs) The end. Uh, So if you need to go into
3: overtime by shuffling the deck, that's like where all the dangerous curses start to happen? Death
1: could happen at any point now. I was panicking that we were running through our first run of the deck too quickly. I was like, oh my gosh, we keep pulling cards for various things. We're going to be having to turn over that discard pile soon and mm-hmm. and real bad things are going to start happening.
2: It's a clever mechanic. Every task you decide to do has a cost associated, but many of them have a plus. So you can draw, say, one plus card to succeed at this task. Mm-hmm. Draw as many as you like. I need to get Two stars to be successful. So, man, I'll draw five cards just to make sure it happened. But then you draw five cards, you're like, oh, my God, I just burnt through like 10% of the deck.
0: It's <laughs> important to note that you have to decide how many cards you're going to pull to try to accomplish your task before you start flipping them over.
1: You can't just pull as you go until you achieve the desired result. Right. You state a number of cards, and then whatever happens with that number happens.
3: So you got to balance it just right. You, gotta, you don't want to overkill it because you'll burn the deck too fast, and you don't want to yes. risk it too much and fail at your task either.
1: Correct.
0: This is where the game really captured my imagination and drew me in because this is where the personalities of the people you're at the table with make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. If you're playing with risk-averse people only, you may be more likely to survive. However, if you're playing with risk-happy people, (laughs) like me, you're likely (laughs) to end up flipping a lot of cards because I want to try everything. Yeah, sure. I'll try and gain that magic moss. Yeah, I'll try and build this raft. I'll try to grab this uh, hammer. Oh my god, we only have 10 cards left. Yeah, and then you're like, Celeste, what are you doing?
2: How many ends does that rope have? I have four uses if I crafted it. So, why wouldn't you craft? Give me three cards.
0: Get to breathing!
1: It takes three.
2: Ah!
0: Two.
1: Oh my god.
2: Ah! Three? (laughs) 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 What is the result? Oh wow. Super rope. The cool part here is that we're working together. We have to find that balance because being too conservative could kill you also because you're never successful in anything if they are not drawing the cards for it. See, I would
3: think the conservative person would be drawing more cards because they want to be sure of success, and the riskier person would draw
2: less cards. That's what I would think. It's a push and pull there. It's like it's a little bit of both. So you want to find out the right point. Well, what's just the right number of cards to pull?
1: Also, I will add that this game allows for role-playing. Oh,
0: cool. oh yes.
1: Most certainly does. Because
0: you draw a character first right?
1: Absolutely. I played the Russian Dmitri. I must break you. Okay, so Evan might be conservative, but Dimitri may <laughs> want to be take all the risks possible and draw more cards than is necessary. <laughs> so I'm saying the role playing may have an effect on how the cards get played, depending on how you choose to play that character.
0: Yeah, I was playing a botanist named McCluskey. This is all on the card that you get as your character card, whose husband tried to murder her by poisoning her, but was (laughs) saved by my knowledge of botany, and he got hanged for it. Nice. So she had seen some stuff, and we'd all been to the Seventh Continent before on Explorations, and now we're coming together as a group exploration. So it was great to use the accents, but also the character (laughs) would also push Ed's character who she called Crazy Eyes, because, you know, he had these big bug <laughs> eyes on his character card, and to push him to be
2: to be more risky, right, to take more risks. So she, she was pushing True. him. True. It was right. Really, it was fun. He's like, all right, I'll take that risk. No problem, I'll climb down that crevice. Right. <laughs> no risk down there, I'll use the rope. We only have one more use to that rope left, so it's fine. We won't need it later anyway.
0: Get the rope, Crazy Eyes. It's time to go down in the hole. <laughs>
3: Um, do, Do your specific characters have any kind of specific abilities that they can use only or is it just kind of a description? Yes.
1: Oh, cool. Mikey, each character comes with their own specific cards, action cards for that character that they add to the collective deck. So those are the specific abilities that the entire group are able to benefit from for having played that specific character.
0: Another great thing about the action deck is when you flip your cards to take that risk to try to accomplish something, you flip them to see if you get enough stars to do it. But also you get to keep one of those cards as an actual item. So each card is an item and stars.
3: So you don't have to actually take the card out and take the stars out of the equation, right? You use the stars and then you get the item?
0: Yes, and then you choose an item. You have to have room in your hand, but if you don't have room, you could give that card to somebody else, which is great.
2: Cooperative. Yay. But you can only do that if they're on the same page, doing the same action with you. This game promotes the
1: group functioning together, cooperative, and moving together. Everything they do together, the more they move together and act together the greater the chance of success.
3: And in any tabletop role-playing game, you learn
1: the lesson, don't split up the party.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Oh, gosh. Ugh. GM's
2: nightmare. Of course, it's also possible to get injured together or starve together. Well, that's okay. As long as we're all <laughs> in it together. Withering away together. Yeah. That's fine.
0: Uh, I had heard some complaints online about this game being too survival-based, meaning it's all about, you know, staying alive and getting food and it doesn't feel enough like you're doing adventures. I didn't sense that.
2: Nope, me either.
0: There was plenty of action in that deck to really make my choices matter.
2: And I thought there was a a lot of discovery in this game, which I thought was cool. The cards themselves might have a clue on them. You'll read something that could actually tell you, wait a minute, I should look into that over there. Yes, yes. The wow. game comes with a magnifier
1: so you can inspect the card closely to look for hidden clues what? drawn into the design of that particular
2: wow. card. The cards are beautiful to look at. So I was looking at the, the magnifying glass of the card and went, wait a minute, there's footprints in the track here. I wonder where they go.
3: That's cool. It kind of reminds me of that
2: uh, escape room game that we played where yes. the cards had hidden stuff in them. It is a very escape room feel. You're solving a puzzle in this game together.
0: Well, yeah, it's an exploration feel. In an escape room, you're exploring the room. Here, you're exploring the seventh continent. And I do love the element of flipping the cards over as you go to discover new areas on the map and then moving there. Really exciting.
2: Oh, I love that. Mm. And since it's a long game, another cool feature is you can go to sleep, and that basically means you bring all everybody together. You camp there. You can save the game by taking all your special cards and put them in the game slot, and then when you come back. All you do is you put the the terrain that you went to sleep on and then put new exploration tiles out because the event can change from night to night. Yeah, you've been there before, but something new might happen as you travel now.
0: Right. The world changes when you rest.
2: I love games like that. Super cool.
0: Okay, everybody. It's time to dig up or bury Seventh Continent. Evan?
1: If you like cooperative adventure games, this one is a critical hit. I love unmasking a world one section at a time, and the collective tension helps bind the players as one cohesive unit.
2: Dig it up. Ed? There are so many nice touches to the production of this game that make it feel so superb and massive. The art and the graphic design is among the best I've seen. Dig it up.
0: I really liked that this adventure game did not feel like it was missing a GM. It is a whole board game, very functional, with lots of choice. I really enjoyed it. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find it?
2: The Seventh Continent was originally available only through Kickstarter, but now you can get the classic edition of the game from SeriousPope.com. The core box goes for about $60. You can also find expansions there.
0: If you have thoughts about Seventh Continent, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game this week is Showbiz Shuffle, designed by Joan Wenland, published by Blood and Cardstock Games in 1999. Number of players, 2 to 5, ages 12 and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, when we started our stroll down this red carpet, what were our first thoughts? Evan?
1: I've always wondered what it's like to be the head of a Hollywood studio. I'm hoping this game will show me. (laughs) Ed? Let's go make movies like it's 1999.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mike?
3: I really am crossing my fingers that this game is like the Key and peel music video, The Power of Wings. And if you don't know what that is, please look it up. (laughs)
0: a fast-paced comedy card game about making movies with whatever budget and talent you can get your hands on how am i not gonna love this game okay evan now remember in Mm. this scene you just found out the bad guys have framed you for bank robbery and kidnapped your dog but you still have to read these rules action the pressure's on
1: in showbiz shuffle a set collection card game players try to collect actors, directors, stunts, and special effects and create their movies for points. Showbiz cards add to the fun by allowing players to build up their own movies or ruin other players' movies. (laughs) The game ends when the deck runs out of cards and all unfinished movies count against you negative points, right? great stuff. Uh The player with the most points wins.
2: (laughs) Bravo,
3: bravo. Well done. I believed it, Evan. I really believed your character there. Thank you.
0: First thing I want to say about this game. I bought this game for 50 cents at a thrift store.
3: (laughs) 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 Is that the cheapest game you've ever purchased? Yes. Wow.
0: And I was heartily impressed with the amount of art that went into this game. There is individual sketch art for every single card, and they are caricatures of the quality you would find at a restaurant on the wall. It is high quality stuff. I recognized most of the caricatures.
3: Yeah. Well drawn character line art. I wonder if it was made by a person that sits in New York and draws those caricatures (laughs) of people all day for money. (laughs) I wouldn't be
1: surprised.
0: You could absolutely recognize the celebrities they were going for. And then some that aren't celebrities, like the producer's nephew or something like that. <laughs> and it has a director symbol on it, which means if you're going to pick him, you got to put him as the director of your movie.
3: <laughs> you have to, right?
0: Those aren't real people. They're just cartoon characters. So the caricature is just of a random person. They're great.
2: The art is credited to lara Shusa.
0: So that right off the bat, I was impressed with. I genuinely, and who wouldn't, guys, I genuinely thought this was going to be a throwaway game by some big game company (laughs) with a lightly touched on theme. But the theme heavily adds to the comedy of the game.
2: Everything about the game mechanic makes sense. You're just trying to put a director, uh, two stars, two supporting actors and make a film.
0: Yes. Now, you can add, if you get lucky, a biz card to your movie to add extra points to the movie, extra value to it. And the biz cards would be stuff like critical acclaim or explosion budget. <laughs> so, so you can add those and you have to pick
2: the genre. Or you can be like Evan and ruin other people's fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, such as, oh, your movie, Ed, it's... It's got an NC-17 rating on it. Oh,
2: the kiss of death.
1: (laughs) Not family-friendly, minus points.
2: Come on, I'm trying to make a light rom-com. You made an (laughs) NC-17? Yeah,
3: that could literally cut a movie's take in half when you put a bad rating on it. In half?
2: Probably more. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, I think I also plagued Ed's game only because we knew he was good at set collection card games. We kept plaguing him. <laughs> and of course, he went ahead and set up a rom com with a Shakespearean actor. <laughs> and we're like, no way, this thing is going to be an artsy mess, oh, right? Oh, God. So we're like, okay. Your actress has a drug problem. Boom. And I throw the biz card on
1: her. <laughs> <laughs> Rumor cards, yep, can can kill you too. Oh, now,
0: this game was a lot of fun to build in a story behind exactly why you put the people you put in your movie in your movie.
2: Wall one road. Take Eddie is going to do the director of this <laughs> <Yes>. film. <laughs> I
0: love One Take Eddie. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Ready,
1: action, cut, print, X, (laughs) action, cut, print.
0: Good news, boss, we're two weeks ahead of schedule.
3: (laughs) Was that required or you kind of just did it for fun?
0: No, it, it totally just invited it to happen because the caricatures encourage you the names of the cards such as the surrealist director or the prima donna actress or the femme fatale a supporting actor you know stuff like that
3: i bet you there's somebody out there using these cards that make actual pitches for actual <laughs> movies
2: yeah it explains it all that's how <laughs> hollywood does it they just take this game plop the stuff together and that's how they make movies It all makes sense now.
1: (laughs) Go turn on your television, look for a movie, and then go through the deck of cards. You can pull out that combination of cards that that movie consists of. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty wild.
0: They really brilliantly put together the archetypes in this. It is delightful to invent the movie that you've seen. You know you have seen.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There's so many tropes out there. Ask Joe. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that this contains all that.
0: You can see the ones we put together on Instagram. And how could it not encourage you to role play your way through having to pick these cards and place them? And you do have to match carefully. There are actual Mm -hmm. rules to the game. You can't put any director with any actor.
1: Well, you can, but you score negative points if you do that. So you really want to avoid it.
0: If you put together, say, the surrealist director with the famous kid actor, they're probably not going to work well together. Right? because the kid actor is good for family films and maybe action, whereas this guy is good for drama and uh, romance or something. So how
3: do they determine it as a bad combination, like mechanically?
0: They're color-coded on the card.
2: So, for example, action movies were yellow. So if that actor or supporting actor or director was skilled at that type of movie, you would have a little yellow dot at the bottom of the film box. Some actors are very diverse in that they cover
1: all the different colors they could be in any of your movies. And then there were some that only had a single color. And you wanted to make sure that they got in the right movie because you put them in the wrong movie,
2: minus points for that movie.
3: Do the diverse actors score less points because they're more
2: diverse? Yes. Generally speaking, the high point cards were a little harder to use by having fewer colors they can be involved with the lower point card could be used in more types of films. That'll work for anybody, really. I don't care. Generic
3: background actor like, uh, <laughs> but Jeremy Irons doesn't fit in everything, so.
0: Exactly. exactly. Like the cheap thrills director. He could do action, romance, specialty, and drama, you know?
3: <laughs> cheap thrills. Did they have him modeled after, like, Michael Bay, or, you
1: know? Yes, absolutely. Oh, you could tell. You could, see, like, you could tell, oh, the, the 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 classic old director it's like, Roy Burns. And the director card that was the brothers was the Cohen brothers. Oh, okay.
0: I'm going to put in one caveat. Don't get too many movies running at once. That is a way to go broke. (laughs) Okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury showbiz shuffle. Evan?
1: A party game which pokes fun at Hollywood. Classic. (laughs) I really felt like a studio boss with the success of my studio riding on my every decision.
2: Dig it up. Ed? It's a very light set collection game. It has a nice art and it's easy enough for just about anybody to play. It's a fine filler game, if you're casting for one to dig up.
0: This game far surpassed my expectations in both humor and mechanics. I definitely got my 50 cents worth and would play it <laughs> many, many more times. Dig it up. Aside from getting this game for 50 cents at the thrift store, you can find this game online (laughs) for 15 bucks. If you have thoughts about Showbiz Shuffle, we would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And before we cut and print this episode, Which Game First? Evan?
1: I think it's going to be Seventh Continent, and I think you'll hear us talking about it at our Firsties Awards show.
3: Mike? Mike? I love these big, sprawling adventure games, and I just can't wait to get my hands on Seventh Continent.
2: Ed? We played a lot of fun card games this week, but for me, the Seventh Continent was the shiniest of them all.
0: I enjoyed all three games this week. Hex Hex was fun. Seventh Continent was tremendous. But Showbiz Shuffle gave me the most laughs and the most fun. So my pick, Showbiz Shuffle. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including our exclusive podcast for patrons only, bonus points, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. And if you get a chance, please shout us out. Where can they shout us out, guys?
1: Facebook. Twitter. iTunes. In the street on your soapbox. Shave it into the back of your cat. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it really helps others find the show. Happy gaming, explorers.
1: One take, Eddie. The director says, cut. That's a wrap. Lunch, everybody. And watch out for that hex at the door. And we're out.